It is Tuesday, May 23rd, and uh, one might argue I'm running a little bit late. I'm on the way to soccer tryouts. I thought it was all over. I thought I could relax this week, but they're doing tryouts for next season. Anyway, we'll see how much, how many uh, of my top flight players the academy team steals from me. I'm running out of people to recruit from the from the streets. Literally the streets. Like, I will see someone in the street and be, hey, <laughs> come play soccer on my team. You look athletic. <laughs> Ugh. But I'm on the way down there to Lake Point. The, the chances are also high that I end up eating at Chick-fil-A because there's a Chick-fil-A down there and I'll be leaving at 7. Okay. I'm driving my truck today, which my wife will remind you is her truck that her dad gave to her. Also, her mower that he gave us. But I'm driving it. It's one of those things, like, it's good to drive a car that hadn't been driven every once in a while. And I don't think I can sit in my white minivan a minute longer before I take it to the to the car wash. And I don't think I'm going to take it to the car wash where you drive through and vacuum. I might take it to the detail guys who charge you $200 to clean your car. It's just so nasty in that car. Kids have just nastified it. I, I, don't even, I don't even want to ride in it right now. And the Kia is still in the shop. So here I am on a rare Christian commute recorded in the red F-150. That, what is this? Is this Studio F? I think it's Studio F. Let's think about this. CRV, Studio A. Other CRV is Studio B. Both of, the, both of those are gone. The white van is Studio C. Uh, the black van... No, the Kia is Studio D. The black van is Studio E. This is Studio... Yeah, this is Studio F. A, B, C, D, E, F. Yeah, this is Studio F. In the uh, F-150 Sport with 100... Oh, I just hit 160 even! Look at that. Just now. 160,000 miles even. And it's not a full show. Because no one is apparently ever going to send in a question ever again. But if if you are going to send in a question, if you have a question about theology and apologetics, you can write to SethDunn88 at gmail.com or leave a message at 470-315-0875. And then I will spend 10 to 15 minutes talking about your question and answering it for you. Used to happen every day, not anymore. So it's not a full show. Today's show topic is Noonan Church Find or Noonan Church Found. So you will remember my show topic that I haven't posted yet as of right now from Friday called Noonan Church Search about the trials and tribulations of just trying to find a church to go to Saturday morning out of town. Well, I'm going to tell you about. Uh, my experience, it was good. After all the lamenting, it was it was good, the church experience itself. And I'll do that after we do the Bible chapter review. We're starting chapter 22 today. Jesus is still speaking in parables and condemning the Pharisees and the chief priests, and they, they don't like it. So we're going to talk about the parable of the wedding feast We're not going to get all the way through it today. We're just going to do the first six verses about halfway. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king 
who gave a wedding feast for his son, and he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm and another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. Well, that's extreme, isn't it? Hey, come to my son's wedding. <laughs> I know I'm going to kill you instead. <laughs> or I guess it'd be, come to my, hey, my master, the king, his son is having a wedding. Why don't you need to come? And they're like, no, we're going to kill you instead. So these people are pretty awful. So we all know where this is going. The, the Pharisees and chief priests are the people who've been invited to the king's wedding, and they don't bother to show up. So somebody else is going to be invited, just like the wicked tenants are going to be replaced with tenants who will pay. So it is, till this day, we're not just talking about ancient Near Eastern culture or the culture of Israel and Rome. It is till this day an honor to be invited to someone's wedding, to anyone's wedding. Listen, if Joe Bob, the forklift maintenance man, invites you to his wedding and they're serving cocktail weenies at their reception and, and Miller Genuine Draft, the, the champagne of beers... Is it Miller High Life that's a champagne of beers? There's one of these. I don't, I'm so Baptist, I don't drink. Uh, but there's one of these beers is considered the champagne of beers. It's like party beer. Like if you had a nice party and you, you had beer. I think it's Miller Genuine Draft. So if, what what I name this redneck? Joe Bob? I forget. <laughs> Whatever I named the forklift maintenance driver. If Joe Bob invites you to his son's wedding... At, um, I was going to say it's at the church fellowship hall, but they're not going to let them have Miller Genuine Draft. Uh, where at the, at the bingo hall, they'll, they'll let you have that there. So they have it at Podunk Pentecostal Church, and I don't know why these Pentecostals are drinking, but they are. And then they have the reception at the bingo hall, and it's cocktail weenies and like little smokies or uh, Vienna sausages. And uh, Miller Genuine Draft, or is it Miller High Life? Uh, hey, they're going all out with a glass bottle beer. It's an honor to be invited to this little wedding reception by this man of meager means. Because he's inviting you in to be a part of something with his family uh, that is a celebration for them. Because the idea is the people close to you are coming to the wedding or people of importance. So think about a king's wedding. Who's going to be at the king's wedding? All the people in the kingdom who are of high society, important businessmen, important farmers, you know, land barons and robber barons and people like that. And other dignitaries from other countries. So not only is it an honor to get invited to somebody's wedding, if you're invited to the king's wedding, that's about the highest honor you can get. You're being included at the, in the wedding feast of the king's son. That's the guy who's going to be the future king, by the way. You get to come to this. 
It is not an inconvenience. And the king is not serving Vienna sausages and Miller High Life beer. He has slain the fatted calf. All right, his oxen. So the king has the best livestock. He probably has servants who are solely dedicated to taking care of the fatted calf and, and preparing it in the best way. So you've been invited, given the honor, Pharisees and scribes, because uh, uh, they're represented by the, the wicked guests or the uh, invited guests in this, this, this parable. You have been given the honor to come to the most important wedding of the most important person with the best stuff. And what do these invited guests do with this honor? They don't come. Hey, it's time for the wedding feast. Come on. Nah, we're not coming. Now, the embarrassment is the king has to send out servants again to say, Hey, guys, it's time for the wedding feast. You've been invited to it. You need to come. And like, nope, I'm going to go about my business or even worse... Uh, don't it, don't inconvenience me with your honored invite. I'm going to kill you, the slave you sent to tell me about it. By the way, who are the slaves in this story? They're the prophets. Because what would what would, Israel would be wicked. God would send them a prophet, and they would reject the prophets. This is the pattern of how it went, and they and. And this is the same thing with the parable of the wicked tenants. I'm going to send him my son. I'm going to reject him too. So here's prophets to correct you. Here's John the Baptist to correct you. Here's Jesus, the son, to correct you. And they, they reject them. So these slaves being sent out to invite the, the honored guests represent the prophets. The honored guests represent the disobedient and dishonorable uh, rulers of Israel, at least the religious and political rulers. They're not. It's not. It doesn't represent the Romans. It's the, the the Pharisees and the chief priests who have the most influence over the people, even if they don't have the true political power. And this parable will finish it. Uh, Lord willing, Thursday, because I don't work from home. I mean, I don't work at work on Wednesday. I work from home. Lord willing, we'll finish it on Wednesday. But I just wanted to get into your head so you understand how awful these people are to not come to a party. The more people who are at your party, the more honored and prosperous and blessed you are considered. I'm throwing a party Saturday. It's the banquet for my soccer team. We went undefeated. I am going to smoke four racks of ribs. Why not more? Because four racks of ribs is all my smoker holds. And then I'm going to my electric smoker. And then I got my bullet smoker. I'm going to smoke something else. I may grill something. I am going all out to honor these people. Now, what would it look like? How would I feel if nobody showed up? I would be greatly dishonored. And I'm the coach of the team. Anybody ever had or been to a birthday party for a little kid and they invite, you know, maybe they invited 10 or 15 people, only two or three show up? Think about how well and appreciated like your kid. As my son went to a birthday party, 
uh, from one of his kids in preschool. And this was like, I don't know, four, three or four years ago. It was a long time ago. And it was, it was during the summer, so preschool was over. You know, kids were out on vacation. Uh, and it was just a party to come hang out at his house. It wasn't like a pool party or an event party or anything. And not a lot of kids came. And I think uh, my kid and uh, maybe a couple other kids were the, one of the only ones who could come. And like that little boy whose birthday it was, was so appreciative of my son yeah, that somebody came to his birthday party and he had somebody to play with. And of course the parents were too. And you know, we were happy to be there. We didn't have anywhere else to go. I'm just trying to try to really drive this home to you. That there's more honor and more people coming. And there is nothing worse than a party or a celebration or a feast that is poorly attended. That is a huge dishonor. And I want you to keep in mind that honor and shame were a big part of that culture. There's not a big uh, part of our culture now. Now you got Target selling bathing suits for little boys who want to wear girls' bathing suits and they have places where they can tuck their genitalia back. Just Google it. So Target should be ashamed. And parents who dress their boys, boys like girls should be ashamed. But instead... It's celebrated. So this idea of there's things to be ashamed of and there's things to be honorable of, uh, they're, not, they're not valued in our culture. They're valued by some. They're valued by me. The other day, my recreational soccer team was going to play a, a scrimmage match against my daughter's academy team that you have to try out for with the professional coach. And I said, we're not out to win this game I want to win I want to play our best but what we're going to do is we're going to play with honor because there are those of them over there who think that we are somehow lesser or we have a lesser standard than they do because we're not in the academy and I said our standard is the same on this team and we're going to play with honor because no matter how rich you are or how poor you are or how good you are or how incompetent you are, you can live with honor. And that's the one thing you can have. And I made a big deal about that. The king is being dishonored by these guests who won't come. Think about the parable, the king represents God. The Pharisees and the chief priests have dishonored God. Not a bunch of 10-year-old soccer girls. God. And that is a big deal. Now let's move on to the show topic. So if you'll, if, if you'll recall from what Friday's show, let me give you a little f- refresher. I'm going to this soccer tournament in Noonan. It's a Saturday and Sunday tournament. I've got to find a place to go to church. I asked for a late a late game because the tournament the last game of the tournament for our divisions at 2:45. So I asked for the later game so that we'd have time to go to church. They gave it to me. They gave me the 11:45 game, and I was very happy about that. So that means I have to find a church with an early service in Noonan, and I found preferably a Baptist church. And I found some Reformed churches, but they met at 10:30. Eh, can't get out in time. There was a Baptist church that met at 10, and that's the one I was going to go to. 
And then there was other Baptist churches that made it eight, met at 8.30. One was liberal, and one was a more older, conservative Southern Baptist church. But they were having a circle maker, Mark Batterson, Bible study, according to the website. And I thought, no! It, why? And after all was said and done, because I was going to put the church service on the team schedule... I said, you know, if you guys want to come to church with us, here's where we're going. I think it would be nice if the team went together on the Lord's Day. And if I'm going to suggest you go somewhere, now now I'm sort of putting my seal of approval on it, or at least my seal of toleration. So before I said, we're going to go to Sunrise Baptist Church, because that's the one I had picked out. Turns out that's where my aunt and cousins go to church. You think these people are my family. I spent the holidays with them for the last 40 years of my life. Uh, my cousins are the closest things to sisters I have because my, my aunt is actually the identical twin to my mom. The, technically, DNA-wise, my cousins are like my half-sisters, DNA-wise, because they're an identical twin with my mom. Anyway, or genetically, anyway, uh, I didn't know that they went there, but I driven by this church a lot. And it's where my aunt went to church. And I didn't know that when I told my aunt, hey, I think we're going to go there. But before I went there, I said, no, let me check them out. And they had a female children's pastor and said, nope, I'm not going to go there. And I sat back and I thought to myself, it's either the place with the female children's pastor, and I'm going to have children with me, but I'm going to bring them with me to the service, or it's the church that meets at 8.30 a.m. where they're letting the lady do the circle maker Bible study. And I, I thought to myself, I said, I bet the influence of Mark Batterson and the stupid Bible studies like that is going to be zero in the church service. Because I guarantee you, the pastor who's preaching and the music minister who's helping him plan out the worship service, it, it, they are not being influenced by Mark Batterson and Beth Moore and whatever dumb life-waste Bible study they want to get. So I said, all right, let's let common sense rule here. Who's going to be at an 8.30 a.m. service? It's going to be old people who are dressed up. That's the kind of church I want to be in. Because old people who are dressed up are not going to be singing Hillsong in Bethel. And get this, not because they have some huge objection to Hillsong in Bethel like they would at a Reformed church, but just because they don't like that kind of music. They've never viewed church as a concert designed to attract people. That's not their generation. And you may look at me and say, there's a 40-year-old guy, but when it comes to church stuff on the inside, there's a crotchety 70-year-old guy who's like, get these hippies with jeans out of my church. Let's sing out of the hymn book. That's just me. All right? I'm not being a legalist about it. That's just what I prefer. So I said, that's where I'm going to go. And it was better than I could have imagined or expected. So we pull up to the church, and it's early. And I have my daughter with me and my goalkeeper with me because she came with us. And it's actually my, my daughter is one of my goalkeepers, and then I've got the other goalkeeper. So I have my two goalies. My daughter was with my, my other daughter who's on the team, my other twin. She was with my wife. As it turned out, my wife decided she wanted to come. And, but my aunt uh, retired and downsized her house, so my wife decided to come at the last minute. She didn't have room for my huge family there, so my wife got a hotel room. 
And my, I think my wife assumed that I was going to go to the 10 o'clock service at the Purple Light Children's Lady Children's Pastor Church. She had, of course, not gone to the website and looked, but she had my daughter, so I only had those two girls with me. And one of them's not even my child. So God forbid I take somebody else's child to Purple Light Baptist Church. I ain't going to do that. So we roll up there at 8 a.m. in the morning or 8.15, you know, just in time. Had to get up early. And the church is in downtown Noonan, and I can already tell driving there that I'm not going to, uh, you know, storefront church. I, I was going to say storefront Baptist church, but we know these storefront churches don't want to put Baptist in their name. They'd be like, we're, we're Ele- Elevation Expedition Experience Church. We're Baptist, but we're not going to say. And they had, of course, the guest parking. There wasn't a single person in the guest parking. The guest parking was actually on the public street, but they, I don't know if they had the right to say only guests could park there, but they had signs that said guests. I guess they can shame you into not parking there. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm a guest. I'll use the, If I go to one of these churches I've never been to before, I don't care if I've been there three or four times. I'm using the guest parking. I'm out of town. I'm a guest. And I imagine that the guests usually come at 11 o'clock. And the first thing I noticed was that the newer, bigger church building was closed. And I looked down, and you could tell there was an older, more historic church building that old people were going in. And I'm like, yes, I, I get it. This is one of those churches that has two worship services. One's for the young people who they hope are keeping the church alive. One's for the old people who are actually paying the bills. And that's the one I'm going to. So I go into this older church building, stained glass windows, the red carpet. It looks like an old church, the kind of thing that would be built in the 50s. Organ! Behind, you know, there's a little organ there, and you could tell the organ was up behind. Uh, there was a stained glass picture, or a stained glass window, actually behind the pulpit. It was a stained glass picture of Jesus. I think it was, I think it was Jesus on the Mount of Olives. I'm not sure what it was portraying. And you know, I know some of you people who listen to this show think that's a second commandment violation, and some of y'all get all torqued out of shape about that. I don't. Because that is not a graven image. People are not trying to make an image of Jesus. People are trying to tell a picture, a story with a picture. Because stained glass comes from the time when people couldn't read, and you would, or not everybody could read, and you would portray the Bible stories in a picture. And they're trying to say, like, this is Jesus' church, and here is a picture of what people think Jesus may have looked like. You know, our Western idea of who Jesus is. And he, this, this scene, and it's our Lord. We're not praying to him. It's not a golden statue in a Catholic church. I do not think pictures of Christ, like a painting of Christ or a stained glass window of Christ, depicting a biblical scene, constitute a second uh, commandment violation. I just don't. Now, these Catholic statues that people are going and bowing down to, yeah, I get it. I, I, I know uh, there's a large part of this audience who's reformed and think that they would agree with that the second commandment violation people. 
and like we, you know, they they take a problem with say, uh, what's that s- stupid show, The Chosen, and they're like, oh, it's a second commandment violation because it's an Im- you're saying this person is Jesus, it's an image of Jesus, and I'm like, no, I know this show is this show is stupid, and Jonathan Rumi or whatever his name is is a heretic, but guys, come on, uh, but. I will tell you. I'll tell you what wasn't there. I'll tell you what wasn't there. Instead of the stained glass, it was a stained glass. Yeah, it wasn't really a window because it didn't go to outside. It was a stained glass picture of Christ. You know what wasn't there? A video screen. And I didn't notice it at first. There was no white screen or projection screen. And I, I'm looking at the bulletin. They gave me a bulletin with our order of service, like this song, uh, offering song, another song. You know, scripture. I'm not sure if they had it. They didn't have a scripture reading and then sermon. And I noticed the songs that were printed out on the bulletin had a hymn number. I looked down, guys, there are hymn books in the pews. I look up, there is no projector, there is no video screen, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I am about to sing from a hymn. I haven't got to do that in years. Literally years in church. And, and listen, I'm not one of those people who's a legalist about you can't have a guitar and a projection screen. But I'm like, you know what? This hymn book does not have oceans in it. And we sang, Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee. And... We sang that song with the organ like do 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 and I'm like yes I have chosen wisely Remember like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and the Nazi they're trying to find Jesus's cup they're trying to find the Holy Grail and the Nazi picks the the fanciest one and drinks it and he dies and then the knight guarding it says he chose unwisely and you know Indiana Jones says oh that's a carpenter's cup right there and picks the simple one uh, like I was like I have chosen wisely so it was a very enjoyable service and the sermon it was not an expository sermon but it was a I liked the message of the sermon the pastor said you have to read the Bible and live your life according to the Bible. You need a biblical worldview. Too many people say they're Christians but don't have a biblical worldview. Here, the Word of God is seed for your soul. You read it and the Word of God is like water that plants the seed. The Word of God is food because you can't live without, you can't live a Christian life without the Word of God. So we just went through a lot of scriptures and talked about the importance of getting in the Word of God, which was fine with me. I mean, it was a topical sermon, which I don't prefer, but it it wasn't like, let me give you some life principles for felt needs. The guy was not interested in felt needs. And by the way, when you're preaching to a bunch of old people, they don't, they're old. They know how to run their lives. They want to hear the Bible. And my aunt had told me, like, you, you don't want to go there. It's all formal. Because I'm wearing, I'm wearing shorts, like, athletic shorts and my coaching shirt with the little soccer uh, emblem on it from our club and my goalkeepers are in their soccer, their yellow soccer jerseys because we don't have time to go back and change and know where to change because my aunt's going to church while we're gone and she's like and you know it's better for kids over here and 
maybe it is like like you don't understand i don't want to go to a church that that's trying to entertain kids whether they have a director or a pastor quote-unquote pastor over the kids i want to go to a church that has an orderly worship service that teaches about god and glorifies him did it put my goalkeeper to sleep yes but it was early and you know what all i did was sit there beaming from ear to ear thinking about how blessed I was because there I've got my daughter leaning on one of my shoulders and my goalkeeper leaning on my other and I'm just, you know, in church with my girls and it's not Hillsong and there's nowhere else I would have rather been on the Lord's Day and I was happy. So after that entire episode about why does it have to be so hard to find a decent church in town, I actually had a better than average, if you will, experience at the church and was super happy. Now, when it comes to soccer, we finally lost the game. We lost our second tournament game. The girls were tired. They were making mental mistakes. So Sunday was just, for me, Sunday was just a day to go to church, have fun. Uh, I, I didn't even play my starters. I didn't start my starters, I should say, in our Sunday game. We got killed, but I didn't care. I was just like, you know, go out, have fun, play different positions. We can't get to the finals anyway. We went out to Texas Roadhouse afterwards with a bunch of us for the soccer team and a bunch of parents. It was a wonderful day. So the next time I go to Noonan, for whatever reason, if I'm there on a Sunday, there's a church I could go to. Now, would I fit in as a member of that church? I don't know. Probably not if they allow silly women to do silly studies. If that's the mentality of the church, I'm sure there are problems. Like, one of the things that I don't like, I'm like, you have a separate service in a separate building. I bet the the music in that second service is, is not music I would like. So when you get down to the motives of the music minister and the leadership of the church, is their motive to glorify God in the song and play the good stuff? Or is their motive to say, let's put the old people over here and play hymns because they'll have a fit if we play the contemporary stuff. And then we'll have the the 11.30 or 11, yeah, 11 o'clock service over here and we'll, and we'll play the stuff for the 30 and 40 year olds and 20 year olds. And in other words, you're, you're marketing to people. That, I, I didn't go to the other service. Maybe they sang out of the handbook there. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But I bet if I were to go back to that 11 o'clock service, I would have a much different experience. And my motivations and appreciations are different. Because somebody could say, well, Seth, well, you're being marketed to too because you like what the old people like. Of course, that's why you went there. Yeah, but I like it for different reasons. It's about holiness and order and, and what's proper. Because quite frankly, I don't really care about the style of music. I care about the theological content and source of the music. And it just so happens that the contemporary stuff tends to be garbage. And I think that gets lost a lot. Some of those old people might sing, He moves the mountains, and then he'll do it again. If they put, it in a, if they put an elevation song in a... In a uh, hymn book and played an organ to it, they might sing it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know them. I didn't interview them. I am going to email the pastor and say, hey, you know what? I sent your your ridiculous lady who was teaching Mark Batterson books an email 
Uh, but I ended up coming to your church, and I'm glad I did. Now, can I give a contrast to a church I didn't go to? So my wife didn't get the memo that I was going to this other church. She said, well, we'll just go to your aunt's church, which was good in a sense because it was the day that they recognized graduates, and my cousin was graduating, and he was getting recognized then. So that was a milestone celebration my family got to be a part of. That was cool to be there when they recognized the graduates going out into the world, which you guys know churches tend to do that. So it was nice that she got to be there. She told me the sermon was okay. Uh, the music was what I expected that to be. And here's the thing, and this is what I want to point out. My son, Elkin, doesn't like to go to church. And why would he? He's six years old and he's unregenerate and on top of that, he's sensitive to he's sensitive to like noise and crowds. He doesn't like to be around a lot of people. He just likes to kind of sit and keep to himself. Things upset him easily. So a church service is not somewhere somebody like that wants to be, uh, nor is it a place a child wants to be around other dirty, loud children, whether it be the, the children's uh, worship service or the big service, or even the Sunday school. So he, he doesn't like church. He's six. Guess what? Christian family, you're going. He liked this other church because they did a bunch of crafts and stuff. I don't even know if they had a Bible lesson, but it was like fun time for the kids. And they probably think, we're making it fun for the kids so people will want to come. If unregenerate kids want to go there and they're not learning about the Bible, you're doing something wrong. That's my opinion. So, I mean, that was the experience they had. And it's kind of like, my kid loved it. And that's bad. <laughs> uh, and my older son went too. And I, I asked him, I was like, so what was it like? Did you really learn anything? It's like nothing new really that I didn't already know. You know, he didn't, he, he didn't seem too, too high on it. And the, the only, I guess the only negative about the weekend was like, I, I think I offended my aunt that I wouldn't go to her church. And I love my aunt. Because it's my mom's twin sister. I love my family. We're a close family. Uh, I mean, the, we're kind of family that's close that say, hey, I'm coming to Noonan. And I'm, I'm bringing some girl you don't even know who plays goalkeeper for me to your house. I need a place to stay. Thanks. Hang up. You know. And I, just for me as, as a weekend... I had a great weekend because I hung out with my aunt in the afternoon, and she told stories about playing softball with my mom while my granddad coached him. And I love to listen to old people tell stories, especially in my relations. And I just, I was just so happy. And but I did upset my aunt because I was like, oh, because I had told her I was going to Sunrise. Well, we're not going to go there. She's like, well, why not? And I'm like. Well, you got a you got a, a woman pastor. She said, we don't have a woman pastor. I'm like, oh yeah, you do. I, I don't even think she knew that this woman's title was pastor. That for all I know, that's something somebody on the website didn't think to fix, because he doesn't even view her as a pastor. But especially with what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention right now, with complementarianism, like Rick Warren's doing, now's the time to take a stand on those titles. I mean, it's, I mean, and always was the time to take a stand on biblical titles. But it's one of those things like, hey, you have a different idea of what church should be. 
you think church should be attractional to everybody. And when you see purple lights and Hillsong music, you think it's good. When you see kids doing a bunch of crafts and having and playing games, but not learning how, how everybody but Noah drowned, <laughs> and and how all the Egyptian kids died uh, with Moses and the and the plagues, then you you see that and you think that's great. I see that and I think that's awful. So you see. Uh, a stodgy church service with an organ and a bunch of very formal old people sitting down and thinking, well, who wants to go to that? No, I mean, like, that's where I want to be. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I, you know, I hate to show up at church. I don't even like to go to Jean's church wearing jeans. If I end up at one of these rock and roll churches, I still, I still want to wear slacks. I, I, and and it, we go to First Baptist, and there's a lot of people there who wear jeans. I still wear slacks. Shorts. Perish the thought of me showing up to church in shorts. Now, my dad, they live in Arizona half the year. They go to church in shorts out there. It's 100 degrees. I'm, but I'm, it, Perish the thought of me. If you want to do it, I'm not judging you. If you want to wear white New Balance shoes with calf-length socks and... Khaki cargo shorts with a Hawaiian shirt tucked into them with uh, with no belt. You have at it. And I'm not talking about anybody specific. That's just how I think a nerd would dress. <laughs> you, know, you you wear whatever you want. I'm not, because I'm, I'm the least pharisaical person. I'm not judging your heart. Like, I seem that way, but I'm really not. And you're like, whatever, you go do it. But for me, I just can't do it. Like, uh, if you ever met, meet, like, a Pentecostal woman around late 40s or early 50s, sh- there are women that they won't wear pants to church. Ki- I used to work with a lady who keeps a dress in her car in case she goes to church. And she knows there's nothing wrong with it, but she just can't do it. Because that's how they were raised. And that's sort of how I came up. It's how my aunt was raised, too, but I guess she's okay with it. <laughs> anyway. I have a different outlook. And, you know, I hated to... I don't, I don't want to, like, you know if I hurt my aunt's feelings or not, but it's like, I'm not... I'm not going there. <laughs> I'd rather go to the stodgy old place. All right, so what does this personal story about me have to do with anything of broad theological interest? I think what the takeaway from this is, is why does your church do what it does? If you're at a church like First Baptist Noonan and you're happy as a clam sitting in that first service, you're like, do you ever ask yourself, well, why do we do this hymn music? Do we do it just because the old people would have a revolt? And, and do we do a separate service because the young people wouldn't come? Or if you're in the Sunrise Baptist Church of the world and you're like, wait a minute, let's just, pretend that you don't have a quote-unquote female children's pastor. Just... They call that lady a director. Just forget about it for a minute. What's really going on there? Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Like, why do you do uh, really fun crafts and and Disneyfied things for the kids? Is it to get people to come? Because it's like, do you think church is about getting people to come? Now, I could misapply the scripture here because when we get to the end of this parable, we're going to see when we cover it, you guys already know how it ends, uh, that 
Jesus tell or sorry, the king who represents God because Jesus is his son. The king tells his, uh, his servants after he goes and takes his he takes his army and he like burns down the cities of the wicked people who, mur- who killed his slaves and wouldn't come. And then he says, Just "Go out to the streets and invite whoever will come." And they do. So they just beat the bushes and let, you know, just many are called if you are chosen. And all right, come on. Come on into the wedding. The other people dishonored me, you're, now you're invited. By the way, that's the replacement theology. These are, these are the Pharisees, the wicked Israel, who's being replaced by the true believers. The believers come. But then there's a guy, and he's not wearing wedding clothes. And they're like, how did you get in here? And they toss him out. I could say, like, if the church is the wedding feast of the sun, throw out the people who aren't wearing the wedding clothes. In other words, there's we're accepting everybody to come. Whoever, who, whosoever believes or whoever will come, let them come. But once you're in here, put your wedding clothes on. And that might be a that would probably be a stretch of that text, to say the least. But my point is, if you're coming into church to be a part of the church, and you came from the world, we're so glad you're here, and we praise God that you want to be a part of the church. But now you have to leave the world's culture behind and stop valuing things like, like I'm going to come because you entertain my kids or you sing the songs I like. No, that's not why you come. If that's why you come, you, you're just wanting the wedding to suit yourself, sort of. But, so, I'm, I'm not trying to eisegete. I'm just thinking. Just talking. Get down to the motives, y'all. All right, I'm 17 minutes late for practice, and, or tryouts, it's not practice. And that's good because it's raining. I might I might roll up like a hero and be like, get in the car, we're going to Chick-fil-A. My daughter refused Chick-fil-A the other day. She was sick of it. She's like, I want to go to Wendy's. I didn't argue with her. Wendy's is cheaper. You know, because, you know what? People with big families, they argue, I don't want to go to Wendy's. I don't want to go to Chick-fil-A. I'm like, we'll just go to both. It'll take, what, five minutes longer. Great. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again Wednesday. As always, God bless. And as always, remember... Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Dun, dun, dun.